1: Welcome back to the Fall Out Lorecast, everybody. (laughs) This has been quite the episode already. We've been trying to get Lainey onto the show. She's been having some audio issues with her computer. So instead, you're gonna have just me and our very special guest, For this episode, the second episode we have for the month of Spooptober, a man who you might know from the Fallout community, one of everybody's favorite people, somebody who just loves to give, he has set up Fallout for hope two years running now we're coming up on our second year he is the brains the genius behind the chad a uh, fallout 76 podcast a wonderful streamer a wonderful creator and a wonderful friend of mine also from the fallout hub show kenneth vigue welcome to the show kenneth how's it going
2: good uh i don't know what to say after all that <laughs> <laughs> well you can say but if you stick you around say, I, never, I have gotten pretty good at contacting people from beyond so we'll we'll try and, and use this crystal ball to contact laney later
1: oh i should have i should have said and seance uh, expert yeah there you go there you go i didn't know you were dabbling in the uh contacting of the beyond also she's not dead she just doesn't have audio on her laptop so um,
2: no, no, she has passed beyond our reach. Oh, all right. She's all right. on the other side of the veil.
1: All right. Yes, and and if you are not currently watching us, we are we are in very spooky mood or mode, not mood, mood too, mood and mode. I'm we'll just both right. Like Ken's got a very spooky background. I uh, changed the coloring on my screen so I look very pale. I'm kind of vampiric in appearance, and we've got the different colors behind me. So we're we're in we're in the mood and the mode to talk what is to you Kenneth Vigue, the most unsettling things in fallout and i want to kick this off i want to because we haven't i pitched you the idea you haven't spoiled it to me yet so this is going to be an experience for me because i don't know what you're going to say at all this is a this is a surprise for me as well and i know on your show the Chat of Fault76 podcast, you've done some unsettling things with the characters. I mean, you're you're the writer, you're the creator of the show. You've had the sickle man, you've had uh you've had some The Overseer very, being a serial killer. You've had some unsettling things happen to uh those poor characters, uh, including alluding to sleeping with Death Claws and uh, the murdering of characters while they uh, do certain things in in the show, um, but I want to know. I want to know because you're relatively new to the series in a way ish, but not really new to the series, but still kind of new to the series. Like you fell in love with Seventy Six in a way that you didn't really fall in love with the other games, sort of. Right? No, no, um, but but in a like in a multiplayer way.
2: In a multiplayer way, yes.
1: Yes. Like um, the multiplayer aspect of it caught you in a different way than, like, I know that you love New Vegas. You love the character of House. We talked about that on a previous episode, but oh, the yeah. multiplayer aspect of it hit you in a different way. So I'm I'm yeah. curious about like, how does that affect what you feel about the unsettling nature of the world and all of that? Like, does that
2: play into it in any way? I don't. I don't think so i mean uh, for me 76 got me into the community more mm-hmm. than it did anything else so it served as kind of a gateway there i mean before i wasn't i loved the hell out of the fallout games but i didn't digest other media like i wasn't hunting down build videos on youtube or um talking to people or podcasting or writing or any of that kind of thing right so I, i'm um, new to
1: the series isn't really the right way to say it new to multiplayer is probably yeah, yeah. the way to. That's the really the way to. I should have phrased it. Um, so okay, so let's let's kick this off. When you think of unsettling things in Fallout, the things that have given you kind of the heebie-jeebies that get get you under your skin, like what really gets you?
2: Let's go back through the mists of time. to the very beginning. Um. There are a, a, a band of people heading to Mariposa Military Base. Uh huh. Uh huh. The year is twenty one oh two. Uh huh. Uh-huh.
1: Back in and, time to the future. Got
2: it. Yep. Back in time to the future mm-hmm. of the past of the future. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them, um, Richard Moreau, who changed his name to Richard Gray, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who already was a lovely murderer. Um, Wonderful ended person. Up getting getting a little bit of that that feb juice on him a little <laughs> little bit of the juice that's <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tom sips his juice <laughs> uh, we... which actually that looked a little like fev <laughs> it's kind of kind of green yeah I don't, yep Tom's drinking fev everybody mm, yeah oh um, no to me I, I I when you asked me this question I thought about um the previous games the most unsettling things that I personally found just from an existential horror standpoint So here you have Richard Moreau slash Richard Gray. He gets the FEV and becomes this blobby technological monstrosity horror known as the master. Yes. And like the, the animations that they did, the face animations in, in fallout one and two are so unsettling.
1: Yes. So yeah, we're going back to fallout one and two and I'm going to, I'm going to look up the master gif. Uh, and see if I can put this up on screen while we talk about it.
2: Like it's properly terrifying the way that they, they animated uh, the way in which they speak. Even Fallout one, when you first meet the the overseer and he sends you out on that mission, it's just like all up in your face, close to the screen. And you can see like pores and it's just unsettling. Oh yeah. But particularly the master, the way in which she's just sort of melted into the computers. Um, it's just a really horrifying visual probably the most unsettling mutation that i've seen in in all of fallout history yeah um, it's and then you you get like his split personality voice with the, <laughs> the guy
1: <laughs> like, oh he's God. so he's like just dripping it's like the flesh is like dripping around the computer and it's yeah it's, it's a pretty. human who
2: became like a, a Cthulhu Lovecraftian Euclidean horror. He's just sort of lost mm-hmm. his humanity, and he's become this thing. It's
1: terrifying. yeah. Here we go. I'm I found it. Let me see if I can get this up on screen while you while you talk about this. So um so how is this the
2: swimsuit issue picture?
1: <laughs> do, so when when was the first time you you saw this? Do you, do you know?
2: Um Fallout One and Two, I didn't play. But I had friends who did. So I remember like late at night, we'd have high school parties on weekends, mm-hmm. um, drinking schnapps illegally. Schnapps? Um, and we'd just hang out and play goofy games. Um, Fallout 1 and 2, we would play, I'd, or I would watch people play and i remember being horrified by the animations but we'd also play weird games like laser suit larry
1: oh yeah yeah oh man those (laughs) classics yeah here he is we've got him up on screen right here there he is look at that look at that master he's got oh and the, the the tentacle that goes out to the eyeball that looks around that's something that doesn't get discussed enough
2: that is a face for radio
1: oh man look at him so good yeah his mouth is moving there's the computer screen underneath and kind of inside the gooey fleshy bits underneath his head and
2: yeah yeah it's what a stud that is just horrifying
1: yeah so good alright well yes um yeah I can imagine that like that is disturbing that is that is clearly something that you don't show your children there's a reason why this game was rated M That's one of the reasons
2: (laughs) clearly yeah i I mean the fallout games are just so dark um and even the newer games even though um like fallout 4 and i think we've even talked about this fallout 4 and um, 76 have a very technicolor palette um like they're very bright and vibrant and i think because of that when you do have moments where you find something unsettling it's even more unsettling because it's this bright cheery world and then you come across this horrifyingly sad story or um just a really unsettling scene whether it's with teddy bears or corpses
1: yeah yeah they do kind of set that up you know in a there's a juxtaposition of like the happy uh happy-go-lucky kind of candy cane lollipop thing on top of like the, the super sad underneath thing that's going on with her. I I think because of that, some people just miss it. I think that's another aspect that you don't notice it sometimes. Like you have to sit and look and go, Oh, this is what's really going on underneath this. And then you go and then you realize, Oh, this really is tragic. This really is bad. Um, and I think sometimes that actually makes it it like when you realize what's going on, the disconnection makes it even worse. But I think that a lot of people who just play the game to shoot stuff and aren't paying attention to the story and what's actually going on. I think in some ways they just they just gloss over it. They don't see yeah. the terrible nature of what's going on. and And so it kind of serves to do both things in a strange kind of way.
2: I think you have to to take time to pay attention more like you said yeah um, yeah because you're not really looking for the darkness <laughs> and then it, particularly if if the is being told through holotapes or notes or um scenes that you just come across mm-hmm. you, if, unless you're looking for it you might walk by past it
1: right Right. It's easy to just kind of, you know, oh, there's another teddy bear. That's another sad, tragic looking thing. But you don't really pay attention to it. Or, um, you know, so many people will do like the side quests. Like in 76, you'll, you'll have one of the companions uh, and you'll just kind of do a funny little side quest. And you're like, oh, this is a funny little side quest. or Oh, these characters are arguing. Skip, 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 skip. Shoot this guy. OK, finish side quests. Go, skip, skip, skip. And you don't realize that like there's a real tragic story underneath all of this. There's a reason why this is going on and everybody's yelling at each other and there's, you know, a deeply unsettling issue going on here. (laughs) But, okay, yeah, skip, 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 kill somebody, move on. Which, which, uh, and I think we get kind of um, desensitized to that because video games, you know, like video games, kill a thing, move on. But, like, pause, kill someone, that should be unsettling in and of itself. right? (laughs) Right? Like... Kill someone. Yeah, no, that's a problem. Like, these are humans.
2: Speaking of killing someone, that actually takes me into to my next unsettling thing. Oh, okay. Um, to me, the dark, bad ending of Fallout 1 is as dark as it gets.
1: Okay. Okay, so so like, lay, lay this out for our listeners, especially the ones who never so, got to play Fallout 1.
2: So you get captured. Mm-hmm. And you're not given a choice. Uh, you end up having to disclose the location of your vault. And the super mutants just head on out there, bust their way in. And the cutscene that plays uh, while you're being turned into a super mutant yourself, struggling in this burlap bag, being dunked into the same pit from Tim Burton's Joker movie. Um, <laughs> joker origin story from the first batman movie right um like that looks like the same fad exactly um so then the super mutants bust in and just it is a cut scene of pixelated horror they're just ripping people in half and shooting people and then they cut to the overseer on like this, OP tank with machine guns. Uh, his desk just rises up off the floor and is firing away. And it's you as a super mutant that, that climbs up on it and proceeds to beat the living crap out of it.
1: right? It's right? It's just
2: that is as dark as it gets. It's probably the darkest ending in any Fallout game I've, I've seen.
1: Yeah, you get you turn against the very people who sent you out in the wasteland to help save them. Yeah, yeah, as a super mutant. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, we don't get. Endings like that in modern Fallout games. (laughs) Yeah, they they I mean, they do pit you against the other factions that you may have helped out at some point. Like you you get the like either or options of like, well, do I save these people or save these people? Now I have to go against people that I might have become friends with. Like you do have the rock in a hard place dilemma, but you don't get the whole like like it. Let's uh, Fallout three, for example. There's not a situation where you go uh evil and turn against vault 101 <laughs> you know like that's not an option
2: <laughs> I mean you kind of can I mean you can pretty much just kill everybody. Uh, my favorite thing because I found Amada so annoying by the yeah. time you go uh, yeah. uh, so so here we're jumping ahead to fallout three but you you get summoned back home after leaving um to solve a problem mm-hmm. and then after you solve the problem for her, she then proceeds to kick you out again. And mm-hmm. at that point, you can just kill her, which I find to be very satisfying.
1: I mean, you can, but it's not like it forces you into an no, ending yeah, that requires no. that, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Nekamata in chat says, yeah, she's kind of a brat.
2: <laughs> yeah, she's, yeah. Like her dad wants to kill you. You kill him in self-defense and all of a sudden you're the bad guy. What's going on here? What are we talking about
1: <laughs> yeah moral the moral system yeah man the, uh, putting a moral system into fallout it's got to be a tricky tricky thing
2: you know you're right though. i'm trying to think fallout 4 and 76 don't have that degree of darkness that even we had in fallout 3 fallout 3 was pretty dark yeah like there's, there's got... a lot of i mean even talking about slavers Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which uh, I just don't think would fly in modern fallout games. You've got, you got
1: racism <laughs> issues, which are dark. Like yes. you can't say racism isn't a dark issue. It's, very um, dark. it's, it's a very dark issue, but you don't have the idea of like turning on the people who raised you like that. There, there's something there that's just inherently darker, right? You know, because I mean, yes. Objectifying other people simply because you don't know them is is a dark thing. but knowing people and going against them, there's there's uh, mm, that's that's just a, even a step further because it, it 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 goes against their trust.
2: Yeah, it's uh, Fallout three in New Vegas too, the the dark choices that you have there are really interesting.
1: Yeah. Well, New Vegas, I I think New Vegas at its core is darker than the others, uh, the other modern games. Would you agree?
2: Yeah, I suppose that's true because when you talk about God, Caesar's Legion? Yeah. Lord yeah i mean you're, you're talking about maybe 15 20 minutes into the game you're running into a town that has been set on fire uh-huh. uh and everyone crucified and then that, that one derpy guy that had the haircut like <laughs> curly like uh mo howard from the three stooges is like yeah i won the lottery um before he runs off into the sunset right. uh, and then it's just a whole town crucified it's just so yeah
1: yeah that's pretty dark that's that pretty was. dark so do you have do you have something on on your list for fallout 3 and, and new vegas are we going through each of the fallouts
2: i thought we'd go chronologically
1: <laughs> okay yeah okay let's, so let's move into fallout 3 then you have something all right there?
2: so fallout 3 uh-huh. um is an easy one so dunwich um yes to me is is the weirdest weirdest location that it ever stumbled into and I remember vividly. I, I remember so much of Fallout Three vividly because it was the first one that I played and fell in love with. But I remember I was playing late at night, and I'm I'm moving through Dunwich, and you you get all of these these crazy messages um, as this person is is slowly transforming into something um, into this ghoul. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. he say, he says the name Alzared. Um and Alzared is interesting because it was uh in Lovecraftian lore is the the writer um of the Necronomicon, mm. the mad Arab. Um so you've got this this fun Lovecraftian tie-in, mm-hmm. and then you get down into the bottom of it with that weird creepy obelisk and these extra creepy ghouls. I also did like too, um When you get to the point lookout dlc and um all of the weird stuff with the cultists and the punga yeah um, yeah and then you you find the krivbekne the the dark tome that you have to bring back Uh or you have the option of bringing back to to destroy on that altar it was i think the one of the, the first ways that they tie in dlc back into the main game that was done incredibly well but i remember getting so freaked out moving through there because the encounters with things that threaten you aren't they're well paced right meaning you don't um
1: you don't you're getting a phone call um, ken's getting yeah, a phone call to. he's he's a, had, he's a busy guy
2: i had to meet my phone call <laughs>
1: <laughs> so the the tie back in and the the pacing of it
2: yeah the tie back in um was done really well like you're able to get properly creeped out by the music and the atmosphere and everything Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. the the, um excuse me the dunwich horrors part of it the that whole building fallout 3 was my first introduction to the series because although i should have probably been playing fallout 1 and 2 I missed those games. I was playing other games and didn't know anyone else playing those games at the time. Um, so I totally missed out on them when they were when they were in the the meta, right? When people were playing them, totally missed out. And so I I jumped in at Fallout Three, and when I got to that that building, when I uh, I didn't finish the main quest line, I started exploring the world. I got to the Dunwich building, and that was when i really started paying attention to the the uh situational storytelling of the game i started yes. i really started reading the 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 things i was picking up and noticing the environment and then i got down to the bottom of the building and and it was almost like working my way through that building compelled me to do so because of the way that it was set up and that's when I it clicked because I was still new to the game and I was still new to the series, but that's when it clicked. And I was like, this game is different than other role playing games that I've played. This game is doing something different. It's referencing more than just its own world. The writers are pulling in influences from, you know, Cthulhu esque media. There, like, there's other stuff going on here. It really is doing more. And that I think is is where, uh, like I don't know, my love for the series really just <laughs> I don't know, like that's what drew me into the series. That's what made me go, okay, I get this. And and I was already a fan of Bethesda, you know, I'd already played Oblivion at this point, and I was like, okay, I'm you know I, this is going to be a great game, I'm really going to enjoy it. But that's where it really clicked for me, and I was like, okay. And I was very very creeped out by the time I got to the bottom of the building, and I was like, okay, this is. I get this. This is good. This is okay. I'm good. I'm, I'm down for the ride. If this, if they're doing this with this building, what the heck else is out there
2: in this wasteland? Awesome. Yeah. The Dunwich building is, was incredibly well done. Something else from fallout three that was, um, really sad and unsettling that you had to, to really look around for, um, the signals throughout the wasteland so like you you switch on you find signal oscar zulu or any of these other ones um and you just find sad mini stories of people who maybe survived the initial blast Mm -hmm. um and then did not fare well yeah um the signal oscar zulu what I, i remember specifically because um you you end up um finding this this family whose boy was really sick and needed a medical assistance and it's just this call in the dark hundreds of years later yeah uh and nobody came yeah. it's just sad
1: that is, that is very sad uh and we're laughing at the sadness which is kind of what you end up doing these games because there's, nothing you, there's uh, nothing you can do nothing you can do it's, it's very sad so are we on to new vegas
2: now i I had one more really good one for uh yeah for the um ray bradbury is is one of my favorite writers and um i remember being in in downtown dc and you come across the McCullin family townhouse and there's a mr handy inside who's just kind of doing his thing um talking about um family and you end up going upstairs you find the kids dead mm-hmm. and the Mr. Handy will will um, say the poem There Will Come Soft Rains which is a really amazing story that Ray Bird did but um, it, it was so dark in the way that Mr. Handy had nothing else to do so it just was waiting for its family to give it a function which will never come and it's kind of like skipping forward to fallout 4 when you when you finally meet cogsworth again you know he's he's been doing nothing but you know waxing the car uh-huh. and taking care of the hedges and then maybe scaring off some scavers for right. hundreds of years
1: <laughs> yeah 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 while like things slowly break that, down over time
2: like, they're tied to a family and a function, and then everyone dies, and they're just left waiting to, to do anything and have a purpose.
1: And there's, they That's seem to either sad. actually have or at least program to have emotions.
2: Uh, yeah, they very much do. Like, Cogsworth definitely was really emotional several times throughout that.
1: Yeah, so are they... Is it a glitch? Do they develop emotions? Are they, are they intelligent enough that they, like, have emergent AI? Or... Or are they just programmed to seem like they have emotions to make them fit in better with a family you know like which which is it and i don't know that we have an answer for that
2: i think the more well developed ones ironically enough you find paired with dynamic families or dynamic programmers um rose the raider we're skipping ahead here to to fallout 76 but mm-hmm. is a perfect example of someone out of love programming her to be um essentially the replacement for a deceased woman
1: right yeah
2: um and she plays that really well the 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 personality is there the intonations are there it's all intents and purposes a perfect recreation of a living person um there was a lot of love care and attention put into humanizing that robot and and giving it that intellect and personality and intelligence and the same is true with any of the other really good mr handys um, that you find or even miss nannies they develop a personality of their own depending on the family that they're with Cogsworth's a great example because he had such a close connection to your family Um, i'm trying to think of some others even ed E. So Eddie from new Vegas, Mm -hmm. we're talking about nothing but an eyebrow and all he does is beeps and boops, but you, you develop an attachment to him. Um, and even the one that you, you end up meeting when you're chasing after Ulysses, that ends up sacrificing himself for you. Mm -hmm. I, I I was upset about that. (laughs) (laughs) Like I developed a a familiar connection to him and I didn't want to sacrifice him.
1: Yeah yeah
2: so I down, I downloaded a mod so he would survive. <laughs>
1: See he hacked the game. <laughs> I done broke it. He done broke it. Well I'll tell you what, why don't we take a break because we've got some some patrons to thank and we'll come back when we'll move on to New Vegas. So the creepy things about New Vegas. Yeah all right, here we go. Hello there, old chap. Good to see another of General Atomic's finest
2: still eager to serve.
1: All right. We're in the middle of the show, and we've got our patrons to thank, especially our Liberty Prime patron, Jared B., He's our Liberty Pie Man. He goes by Pie Man sometimes. And we also have Southern Rage and Stagger and Stumble, our Tier 5 Sentry Bots that we get to thank every week. And if we've done anything to help you get through your workday, your commutes, your workouts, or your upgrading of your Mr. Handies, then please consider going to patreon.com slash Fallout Lorecast and checking out all the different tiers and you could even even for the low 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 price of one or three dollars if there's even one dollar open openings um, you can get into those or the three dollar tier twos you can get ad free episodes and help support the show and uh, we would love the support Uh, currently we have 46 different patrons and there's also stickers and t-shirts that are limited edition and these will go away once they go out To our patrons they go out every three months and so go check those out. They're up on On the patreon you just gotta scroll down look at all the pictures and they will never be up on the store They will only go out to patrons and once they're gone They are gone and they're just for you guys to say thank you so much We did not raise the prices we added those in as a way of saying thanks and so go check those check those out I think they look awesome and I'm really jealous because I will never have one but you guys will so Congratulations. Um, (laughs) So that's what we got going on with that. Also, we have uh, some new patrons. I'm going to start calling these out every week so I don't miss anybody. Um, The newest patron we have is Thunderhead. Welcome to the Patreon, the Thunderhead. Thank you for for subbing. And we also have a new review on Apple Podcasts from Crazy Viper, who just found the podcast. Um, Crazy Viper from Great Britain says... Favorite podcast five stars just found your podcast and already can't stop listening huge follow fan. Love the lore. Thank you so much crazy viper. We really appreciate the support and you guys are awesome. So thank you again for all the support. Very, very, very much appreciate it. All right, let's move on with the rest of the show because we got some more crazy spoopy stuff to talk about. Here we go.
0: If you have any questions about Nuka World, I'd be delighted to answer them.
1: All right, Ken. What do we got to talk about here for New Vegas? What really, what really creeped you out? What's really unsettling?
2: The, out of all of the vaults that I've ever encountered in any Fallout game, vault 11 to me was the most unsettling on so many levels.
1: Okay. So vault Um, 11.
2: Yeah. And lore wise, it has a lot going on. So I made some notes. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Um, so vault one eleven was a social experiment in the same way that that many of them were. Mm-hmm. And what made vault eleven interesting is that um, it was very much like Shirley Jackson's The Lottery or The Wicker Man.
1: Right. This is this is the one where they sacrifice somebody every every year in order to yep. uh, and keep them keep the vault going. Basically.
2: And this is this this gets into some pretty dark territory. So. The experiment was they had to sacrifice one of them each year or the computer uh, would kill everyone in actuality um, what it was designed to do is if they chose not to sacrifice anybody and say absolutely not then the experiment would end the door would open and Voltech would commend them essentially for their commitment to human life.
1: Yes. So that was the solution if they were brave enough to do it. And of course, nobody did it.
2: But they didn't. right um, and by the time the Vault Eleven Inhabitants actually stopped, there were only five people left. Right. Um where this gets into um some really dark territory is that over time this ended up evolving into multiple different um, political factions. So you had um, voting blocks that were the Allied Service Workers' Block, the Divine Will Block, Human Dignity Block, Justice Block, United Technicians Block, and the Utilitarian Block. Mm-hmm. And they would nominate and support uh, overseer candidates based on their own goals. So uh, picture our political system on crack. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's not like there was just like Republicans, Democrats, and then independents, and you know, whatever. There's all of these different people vying for power. Um Where it gets into a sad part um was the final overseer that that vault ever had. And um prior to that final election, so the Justice Block was led by a guy named Roy, who sexually coerced a resident, Catherine Stone, mm-hmm. um, to go up, or overseer. And they threatened to nominate her husband Nathan should she resist. Um, so, So we're talking about rape here.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, uh, I discussed this episode. Speaking of, on, speaking
2: of themes that would never yeah. happen in modern Fallout.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Holy this was, crap. Yeah, we didn't. I did an episode on this one um, d- during it's, the Vault series. But yeah, absolutely. This is not a modern. Uh, well, usually by modern Fallout, I mean three New Vegas, four in seventy six. But y- yeah, if we're talking four in seventy six, this is this would never come up. A uh, hey, Bethesda made Fallout wouldn't cover this. This is just the, the Obsidian and original fallouts, right? This is not one that (laughs) they would not go here.
2: (laughs) And I mean, you know, you know, in a way I can see that, but when you also talk about, um, survival situations and things that would happen, and maybe in a way that, that our podcast goes into darker territories, these are things and situations that do happen because they happen right now in everyday life so we're talking post-apocalyptic of course these kind of things would would happen um where you're talking about really dark themes of blackmail and rape and all of these things yeah um so Catherine um she she gets her revenge on them um killing them off one by one mm-hmm. um, until she was the the last <laughs> overseer standing mm-hmm. um she ended up dissolving the election process um, said that the position of the Overseer would be chosen at random using the Vault's computer system. Um, the Justice Block tried to to overthrow her. They attempted to stage an armed coup, and that killed nearly all of them, uh, all of the remaining dwellers. Uh, by the time you go in there and you make your way through um, and you get down into, into that final section, um, I remember being absolutely terrified when like the walls dropped down. <laughs> The guns start firing, yeah, yeah. As you're meant to sacrifice yourself, it was really, yeah,
1: yeah. That was uh, I had to play that a few times to survive it. I had to set up some uh, some mines and things, I, I think, yep. in order to like game that setup. And uh, I wasn't in power armor or anything at the time, and I was just like, oh crap, okay, how do I, I throw myself in a corner and you know, throw some grenades and blow stuff up in order to, yeah, oh man. Yeah. But that whole thing is, is pretty dark. That's uh, th- this is not like, Oh, death claws are scary. This is human beings do terrible things. And that is extremely unsettling.
2: Yeah. It's, it reminds me almost, um, Stephen King's, um, novel, um, or, or it was a short story that either they turned into a movie that missed is a great example of the same kind of thing where a group of people from all different backgrounds put in a a life-threatening situation end up developing factions of their own and different people rise to power and you have someone who's motivated by religion who believes in sacrificing for the greater good Mm. um, and people trying to fight it it's it's almost terrifying when you think of people today being put in situations like this And how far we would go, or what we would do, when faced with the threat of death?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, do you have any other
2: uh, New Vegas examples? That was it for New Vegas. Aside from uh, maybe the decision to to screw over Mister House um, Uh and just open his container, uh huh. Yeah, which means that he ultimately will get infected and just die. Yeah, you can choose to leave him. Uh, you can also get that crazy special perk where you can, can eat him, along with the other leaders <laughs> oh, of, so of Waisla- the wasteland, the other leaders of New Vegas, for a special perk. But I yeah, bet he doesn't taste very good. He's pretty pissed off a year by the time.
1: <laughs> okay, so uh, Fallout Four. What do you think about Fallout Four?
2: Yeah, Fallout Four. The most unsettling thing to me is that that first beginning bit of the game where it's a race to get down into the vault uh-huh you see that atomic blast hit and then go down through just as the the shock wave and fire and death that just flies over your head yeah um, yeah and then very quickly into the game that all of a sudden you wake up and you know this guy shoots your wife yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, and takes your kid. It's like, right? What just happened? To well,
1: you? they throw you into a very uh realistic kind of situation. I mean, they they put you in. Obviously, it's the future, and, and you're in you know a fictional world where you have a robot running around. But it's about as close as you get to the kind of situation that we live in now. You know, you're in a home, you have a spouse, you have a child. You're you've got the TV on, you you know, you're talking with your spouse about what's going on. It's kind of an everyday sort of situation. Right. And we all can kind of identify with that. And somebody comes to the door. You're kind of doing everyday things and you never do everyday things in Fallout. Usually it's extreme. Right. But yeah, to, to have that happen. And then all of a sudden all of your neighborhood is now running for shelter and a bomb goes off within clear sight of your neighborhood and then the blast washes over you as you go down into a vault and then you wake up and you see some ruffians show up murder your spouse and steal your child like that's that's horrifying because that could happen to any of us in a pseudo realistic kind of way you know like like that's something that all of us could fear happening you know like sure that's Yeah, that's super disturbing. (laughs) Like, that's that's not super far fetched. Like, again, a death claw. You know, none of us are really worried about leaving our house and running into a death claw out in the wilderness. Like, that's not going to happen. Maybe somebody's, you know, living in a part of the country where they might run into a bear. Sure. That could be a concern. Right. Like, maybe you go hunting and you're not prepared to run into a bear because you're hunting turkeys that day or something. But like, yeah, getting murdered or having your spouse murdered and your child abducted that could be a real concern
2: the other uh speaking of bears the jump scare in the cathedral with the death claw is, is also properly unsettling Yeah, you are making your way through the cathedral and you can hear it thumping and crashing and then of course you're you're confronted of it
1: yeah the um the uh, witches. uh the, uh, where is it the witches in mu- the museum yeah it was or- the
2: salem witch trial museum
1: yeah yeah yep. you hear it kind of thumping around in there Ooh. yeah deathclaw is stuck in a building never a good thing
2: no that was scary mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: um the other interesting thing it's sad um when you get into the robo brain center and you find out more of the backstory about the robo brains that is some pretty sad stuff
1: yeah. Yeah. Brains stuck in machines. That's kind of depressing.
2: Yeah, it really was.
1: Yeah. What do you think about um, the living in the uh, the uh, what was the DLC with the the mist and the um, uh, the people up on the, the shore yeah, Far Harbor, Far Harbor, the the spooky mists, and dealing with that whole situation that's kind of unsettling right
2: yeah I the the, I mean the creatures coming out of the fog was definitely freaky um to me I think the the most weirdest thing about that one is is you go on that random thing um I can't remember the name but it's the red something I remember a fisherman telling the tale Mm -hmm. so you go out looking for it to this island Mm-hmm. Uh, it ends up being a nothing burger and then the real one comes <laughs> right it's just this gigantic like myrler queen with this red eyeball
1: yeah 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 <laughs> but the idea of like living in a place where like dark creepy mists are and monsters come out of the mists like that's that's some traditional horror type stuff you know oh yeah yeah that's that's pretty fun all right so is, is that it for fallout 4 that's it for Fallout 4. Okay, so now we're now we're up to the modern one, Fallout 76. What creeps you out the most about Fallout 76?
2: Fallout 76, um, Alpine River cabins. One Alpine of the first River places cabins. when I, Reclamation Day, that I, I found myself wandering out. So you, know, you see, oh, this is cute cabins. I wonder if I can plop down my camp here. And in those early days, when you first emerged from the boat, you, you're trying to figure out still where you can even drop a camp. And I thought, oh, this is perfect. Like, there's those little cabins. So you go inside, and then everything just goes downhill from there. You've got doors slamming behind you and pictures <laughs> rotating. And you're like, and what is going woods, on? Like, and I, when, I came, when I came through that part, it was night.
1: Uh-huh.
2: And I hear this <laughs> screaming, and I'm like, what is going on?
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. When I first when I first got there and I started noticing things were going on, like I had played, of course, played enough Fallout that I was like, okay, what's up? <laughs> like what is going on here? But it does have that like there is something unsettling going on thing going. But here's the thing. If you played the game in the first year before Wastelanders came out, you knew there weren't other people around. So you knew it was something.
2: Do you know what I thought it was? I thought it was a Wendigo. Oh, like I, okay. I, I saw what the Wendigo looked like, and I was like, uh, nope. So I was waiting <laughs> okay. for that jump scare. Like, I thought when I got to the final cabin, it would, like, bust up out of the floors. <laughs>
1: ah, uh, okay, okay. Scare me. Yeah, see, I knew I knew there weren't any other people around, so I knew it wasn't, like, humans. So it must have been, like, automated There was some sort of automation happening, which kind of ruined it for me. Had I waited and got there after Wastelanders, then I may have actually thought there was somebody out out in the woods that was like in trouble or something because I wouldn't have been spoiled for me, you know. But yeah, that's um, but yeah, I could totally see running into that going like, "Okay, what is somebody in danger? What is going on? Is there actually a ghost here? Like, what is what is that? Because ghosts exist in Fallout that like that's a thing like that's happened before.
2: Tanagra town is pretty weird. Um, when, when that vault blew in the FEV, uh, just accelerated plant life growth in the mire, Mm -hmm. um, you had all of these, these tentacle like vines growing everywhere. You get the strangler hearts that grow, um, And then Tanagra town just gets lifted up into the sky. Yeah. I I remember finding that and thinking, good Lord, what, what happened here?
1: Yes. Yes. I loved, I loved the mystery of like the vines and everything going like what caused all of this. And then, um, it would have been cool to be part of like the design team conversations about like what stuff, what did the vines do? You know, like how did they lift up the town? What did that look like?
2: It must have just been a really rapid, crazy fast growth, and then they just stopped.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because that's what it looks like. Yeah.
2: But it's, it's just it's one of the weirdest places uh in in all of Appalachia. And then when you're making your way up it, you have to be really careful. I've fallen and died off that thing so many times. <laughs> right,
1: right. It reminds me of like old uh uh Jack and the Beanstalk cartoons. Where like the beanstalk yes. comes up real fast, and like the the fronds and like branches of the beanstalk like lifts like cows and barns and things up with it, you know, yep. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love I love the aesthetic of some of that stuff, like the cars and the other things <laughs> that are just kind of like propped up and weird. It also gave me that sense of like, is this going to move again? Is this done moving? Yeah, like, is it going to just keep growing? <laughs> right? Is uh, I mean, are more of these going to just all of a sudden sprout out of the ground somewhere? Is this is this yeah? Is this done? That's yeah, I mean, a little they, bit frightening because the whole I mean, this, idea of plants like the, doing stuff like that is kind of scary.
2: The strangler hearts are a very little shop of horrors too, but it's also really creepy how they can compel and control other creatures. Um, yeah. It's really weird in almost like a, a parasitic uh symbiotic relationship which is odd interestingly when you think about how the strangler heart compels um the flatwoods monster compels and the scorched plague <laughs> compels um there's probably a message there somewhere but it's interesting how a, many a things compelling have a, a, a very compelling message hmm. Hmm. Um, right around in that same corner too remember the sunken church mm-hmm-hmm mm-hmm. the creepy organ music playing at night mm-hmm yeah that was that was creepy
1: yeah churches churches uh anytime you take uh religious imagery and you make it particularly creepy is is always nice that's always cool too so okay so you have any other 76 stuff <laughs>
2: just the the encounters with cryptids to me are always frightening particularly in the early days um and for any new players coming to the game the mechanic that they built in where the mothman slowly stalks you before your first actual encounter
1: yeah yeah
2: is terrifying like i don't know how they coded that but you you'll just be minding your own business walking around late at night skipping along with your pigtails flailing in the wind <laughs> yeah. and then you'll just see two red eyes in the distance just glaring at you
1: yep yep
2: and then if you approach it it'll just take off and and not engage with you and then i think it's by the third encounter that it'll attack
1: but oh is it is it coded like that jessica Starr <laughs> was on last week and we, we talked about that a little bit and uh, it's yeah it's it, i think that's really smart how they set that up because that's, it, it does have you on excuse. edge And you're just like, what is that? What is going on? Um, yeah, I, 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 I think it would be cool if more stuff did that just in general, if there were more things that would just kind of watch you from afar and just kind of follow you around. I, there's just something about that. This idea (laughs) that like, yep, I'm being followed. This is creepy.
2: When, um, they used to do this, and and it's unfortunately that, that new players now won't get a sense of what that was when they first started dropping bits and pieces of the Van low quest line. Um, we're all looking for the sheep squatch, and mm-hmm. we started getting little bits and pieces of it. You you find the bodies in um, uh, up on the the hill uh, on the cliffside. What was that? Was it Beckley or? He goes oh, i don't remember names um, i'm so bad up at names on, yeah up on the cliffside where you find two people and then just these huge spikes sticking out of them mm-hmm. where you'll have a random encounter where you'll find just this nest in the middle of a road and you'll hear the Hah! in the distance
1: <laughs> wait what was that do that again <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's my best cheap squash was that danny um, devito Anybody it. who
1: doesn't listen to the Fallout Hub show is not going to get that joke. Um, they won't get that reference. <laughs> they won't get that reference.
2: Um but they set it up so that you're you're getting little bits and pieces before they drop the actual sheep squatch in the game.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And um the first actual encounter with it is pretty terrifying. Um when you see one for the first time. But up until then it was just teased in the background um before they actually dropped it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that stuff is cool. You know, um, I've heard conversation this is getting into more fallout type of conversation but uh, this idea that like if they could just drop little updates, like little mini updates, stuff like that a little bit more often into 76, that would be fun. Like little tiny things like this into the game and just even hint at them. Don't even tell us what they are but just like, hey, you might want to go look around in this part of the map. Maybe you'll see something you haven't seen before.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I enjoy when they, they give us mysteries to solve mm-hmm. that are, aren't are really relevant to anything. They, yeah. they just give us something extra to do. And um, hunting around for those um, before um, the uh, Wastelanders update, when we, we started getting a um, drop of, of info where you have to assemble the different pieces to uncover what the secret is right. Appalachia, the finding out about the gold and more of the Van Lowe stuff. All of that is really well done. Right. Or even things that
1: don't even relate to any bigger story, just like minor changes to the world, you know, even just like, Hey, uh, even just like a, a notification or just a, an image post on Twitter that just has a picture of a building with something changed on it, like hey, did anyone notice this on this building before? And then it just leads you on a little journey that, that you know oh yeah, that, that changed on the building. Oh, and look inside the building, there's this thing here. Oh, and that, that connects to this other thing over here. And oh, now you know, like, what is that connected to? And it just gets you looking around for things you know? And then people are it, maybe it connects to the, the, you know something, but it isn't necessarily connected to some big story plot thing it's just stuff to get you looking around and maybe that connects to like a new monster or um you know uh scorched or now turning purple for some reason who knows why
2: yeah the the best example i saw of that is when they placed the standing stones in the game when they dropped those i remember that the whole entire community and the data miners were trying to decode what the the etchings were on the surface and there were all kinds of crazy theories yeah um like people they brought in actual code breakers code breakers for the military <laughs> right. were consulting and yeah like, like it was this whole just thing fun. but I rem- they worked on it for i think a good month or two months um but yeah it, it got everybody working together it was interesting
1: right and it could be as, some, as simple as something like uh some stuff just leads you to a, a vault where there's just like treasure that spawns in the map On occasion that'd be cool yeah you know or uh, just another massive enemy that shows up you know on some sort of you know random cooldown cool that we discovered where a massive enemy shows up that's cool you know anything like that would be neat and just like give us a trail Um, and I I'm not a dev but my guess is that that kind of adjustment to the game probably doesn't take that long to design and implement compared to these like other massive changes it's probably a few people working on it for a month rather than lots of developers working on things for 6 months or a year, you know. Um so, I don't know, just an idea. But um all right, so, so to wrap this all up, we've gone through all the games, a bunch of creepy stuff. If you were to, if you had to say the thing that has gotten under your skin the most, the thing that has really really unsettled you. Or we could even phrase it this way. If you were in the world of Fallout, what would be the thing that you would if you came across it would just like, you would just nope out immediately. The situation, the thing that would just like I, oh my god, I would never ever want to come across this or have to deal with it. The most horrible situation and it can be like a short term thing. It can be like, oh my god, I just stumbled into Nipton and there are people on crosses. Nope. Like we talked about that, or it can be like, Oh, I never want to k- pick up like, you know, the radio signal for those terrible stories that happened a hundred years ago. Now I'm not gonna be able to sleep at night because I just feel so bad for those people. Like that's more of like a long term psychological thing, right? Like, what do you think? What's, what's the absolute worst for you?
2: I still think it's going to have to be Yeah, it still has to be the master.
1: Yeah, the master's still the just the worst.
2: I would just say, you know, you know what? Screw the water chip. Screw everything that's going on here. <laughs> I'm just, I'm going to go build a little house and you all can figure it out. Because there's a man blob thing on a machine and I'm not really interested in any of this. <laughs>
1: <Right>. <laughs> okay. Like you, you finally get to the place where you, like, you get face to face, face to gooey, drippy face with a master and you, and he just starts doing his like weird talky thing at you. And you're like, just like, say you later. Never mind. <laughs> I just killed however many super means to get here. Roll credits. Nope. I am done. You're the, you're the thing behind this. No, thank you. <laughs>
2: okay nightmares forever yeah all right all 13s over there here's the map leave me alone goodbye <laughs> all right i'm gonna go crawl See in ya. a hole
1: i'm gonna go live in a hole for the rest of my life just leave yep. me alone hey,
2: i'm good
1: all right <laughs> cool man that's awesome so um so i know you're working on some new, new some fun new stuff for your chad fallout 76 show what do you, what do you have coming down on the way i know you have some like massive episode stuff going on like what what else is coming
2: yeah, we do. We just dropped a mini-sode uh, that Clint Winbury, who voices um, Moose, uh, wrote, and it is so funny, called The Great Beer Run. Um, and <laughs> in the next few days here, we're dropping part one um, of our dark Halloween special. Ooh. Um, I was going to, uh, and, and this is kind of a, also a follow-up conversation, um, normally I I like dropping mega episodes cause they're kind of like almost feature length movies. Yeah. What I found, um, and I even polled on this people like like hour long episodes. So even if I break it up into multiple, multiple parts, they prefer that as opposed to like these two or three hour episodes.
1: I, I agree. I, I so find I'm it easier. It sooner. Yeah. I find it easier to uh, get through an hour episode and then pick up on the next release. than to remember yeah. to go back and continue listening through a really long podcast. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, so I'm going to drop that part sooner, but it uh, sees the return of Mr. Dark, uh, played by Andreas Somville. It is, probably speaking of, of unsettling things, this is the darkest <laughs> episode we have ever done. Oh boy. Um, it goes into some pretty dark territories, um, and Simon's character is going to be changed significantly after it. he um, never be
1: the same again.
2: He will not be um but it also introduces uh, a new character called dolos the archivist played by bethesda's ferret Bowden, um nice. which I'm, i was really excited to write for and he did an amazing job
1: oh that's a great yeah ferret's such a cool guy that's that'll be yeah, exciting he really is it'll be cool yeah. to hear him well that's super fun anything else coming that you want to share before we head out
2: after that it's it's full steam ahead for fallout for hope which uh, is december 4th to the 19th
1: yes yes so be be ready for that lots of people will be streaming and supporting that and we've got a big goal this year we do what's the goal
2: half a million dollars half
1: a million dollars they need to relaunch the um uh <laughs> what was the name of that movie why is that my Austin powers my brain was just blanking on that austin (laughs) powers um that would be really funny i would love to see another austin powers film 20 years later (laughs) oh man um but yeah half a million dollars for the children to help the children fall for hope last
2: year how much did we raise how much was it hundred and nine thousand dollars in one week
1: In one week. Um, and this year is going to be a much no bigger planning. Yeah. No planning. So this
2: year we've, we've had, uh, we've been planning since January, ironically enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and this year St. Jude's has partnered with us directly. We have corporate sponsors, um, as well as staffing. And it's just put together a lot, um, more tightly. So for two weeks, we're, we're really confident we can nail that goal.
1: Right. So we have a bunch of streamers, a bunch of people, the fallout community, gathered together raising money for saint jude's and this is to help um children people people families children who have special needs uh special medical conditions and
2: yeah they specialize it's life-threatening children's diseases um most of which really is, is childhood leukemia um, when it first started when the hospital opened the survival rate was 20 percent but thanks to the hospital, they've got that up to 80%. That's
1: amazing. That's amazing. What a, what a wonderful, wonderful, thing. talk about like terrible, horrific things and actually making a difference to remove those terrible, horrific things. So that's, that's amazing. So, um,
2: definitely a cool organization. Yeah. The families, um, never see a bill of any kind, which, which cannot be said of, of most hospitals. Um, so the the child is taken care of the family's needs are taken care of. It's, it's all good. They never see a bill.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if you, if you feel like, I know, I know I get this way. I know a lot of us get this way. Like the world is uh, sometimes feels dark and terrible. And there's a lot of just not good things happening in the world. This is a positive thing. This is a, this is a bright light. This is a thing that makes people's lives better. Actually makes a difference. Actually makes a difference for real people, for the parents, for the children, gives children opportunities. This is an an amazing thing. So, um, and when does this start? December 4th. December 4th. So just a few months and this will be Christmas season. So if you're looking for something to actually make a difference and make a real difference in the world, this is a wonderful thing to contribute to. So be aware for, be uh, just ready for that. We'll be sharing more info about that on my streams and podcasts. And Ken will be sharing more about that on Chat of Fallout 76 podcasts and on the uh, Fallout Hub, we'll be talking about that as well. And if you want to tune into any of those shows, they're all on the Robots Radio Network. Uh, Ken and I are also on the Fallout Hub. We post an episode almost every other week-ish where we talk about Fallout 76 with our good buddy Dave. And um, you can tune into my shows in the mornings. I do streams now in the mornings where I'm either editing podcasts and videos and things like that and chatting with you guys to help answer questions about content creation. I'd love to share any of the information that I've got stored up in this noggin with you guys to help with your own ideas. Or um, sometimes I'm playing games, like I've been playing Back for Blood. Uh, sometimes I play Fallout 76 or just other stuff that I want to play. And I'm happy to hang out with you guys. I've been trying to find people who can play games with me in the morning. So if you want to join my crew, then let me know. Show up uh, at twitch.tv slash robots radio. I usually start around 8.30 a.m. in the Eastern time. So if you're able to play mornings with me, I would love to have you join me. So that's what I got going on. Uh, anything else, Ken? You good? That That is it. That is it. So thank you for stay tuning safe, in again. Spoopy. Yeah, stay spoopy. Stay safe. Have a wonderful rest of your week. And we will see you again next week for another spoopy episode. All right, everybody. See you later. Take care. Plug into everything else we're doing. Check out robotsradio.net. Also, look up the Robots Radio YouTube for videos about Fallout and other things. And check us out on Twitter, twitter.com/robotsradio. You've been listening to the Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.